Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Emily Tampkin, and you're listening to World Review from the New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Every Thursday, we come together to unpack some of the most significant stories in world affairs. And every Monday, we interview a guest for their unique perspective and expertise. Today, I'm speaking to Peter Kreko. Peter is the director of the Political Capital Institute and a senior fellow at the Center for European Policy Analysis. Peter, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks a lot, Emily, for the opportunity. I'm a great fan of New Statesman, so it's an honor. Well, we're, we're then doubly glad to have you. So we're going to speak today about Hungary, about Hungarian politics, vis-a-vis both the Russian war in Ukraine and the upcoming elections. To start out, Prime Minister Viktor Orban is, is thought of as one of Russian President Vladimir Putin's big boosters in Europe. What have you made of his and his government's response to the Russian war in Ukraine? The most important thing is to first take a look at the behavior of Hungary as a state. And if we take a look at the statements before the war, for example, Viktor Orban's very harsh pushback against any kind of sanctions and compare them uh, to the actual support of Hungary towards sanctions in the European Council, the chief decision-making body of the European Union, we can say that Hungary went a long way. And, yeah. and I think it also reveals that Western alliances in general, and the European Union in particular, have a, how to say, angelic pressure uh, on their member states in the sense that in historic times such as we live in, everyone has to follow the rules. And Viktor Orban, even if he had a very hardliner pro-Russian policy in the last few years, realized it as well. Also, Hungary have changed its position when it comes to the EU and NATO uh, accession of Ukraine. And of course, we know that neither of them is anyhow close, but also symbolically, I regard it very important that the Hungarian state supports now officially the accession of, of Ukraine to the European Union. Hungary was the main opponent of this process, mm -hmm. referring to the lack of rights and the suppression of minority rights when it comes to uh, Transcarpathian Hungarians, Hungarians who are living 
invest in Ukraine, and there are more than 100,000 of them. Also, Hungary finally supported the accession of Ukraine to the NATO Cyber Defense Unit, which they opposed before. So I think all these developments are extremely important. Were you surprised at how, I was a little surprised at how quickly Orban came out and and denounced the invasion? Because as you say, there are other sticking points in the Hungarian-Ukrainian relationship, ethnic Hungarians in Ukraine. This is a longstanding relationship between Orban and Putin. And yet the statement on day one was quite clear that they would, that, that Hungary would go along with the EU and stand up to Russia in this invasion. Did that surprise you or no? Because these are such, it was such a, as you say, it's such a historic moment. Orban always realizes what are the moments when he has to follow the line uh, of mm-hmm. the European Union. And I think his instinct, don't forget that right now that Chancellor Merkel stepped down, he is the longest serving minister in the European Council. He's there constantly since 2010. So if someone knows how the European Council works and what are the written and non-written rules, formal, informal, he knows it well. So from that perspective, it wasn't surprising. But yes, I think it was surprising. And it's a positive development that he also called quite early. And of course, there was a how to say, a big vacuum in the bilateral relations beforehand. And Orban was the only leader in the UN NATO countries who only visited Moscow in the beginning of Mm -hmm. February. And there was a a joint press conference on which practically Orban sidelined that supported the statements of Vladimir Putin, even when it came to to NATO. So compared to that, it was a good sign that Orban stated obviously that we are supporting Ukraine's territorial integrity. We regard Russia as the aggressor in the campaign, even if he does not use this term. But it was content-wise, it was what it means. So I think all these are, are positive developments and we have to start the analysis with that because Honestly, the most important role of the Hungarian state right now is to not to block these joint actions. And that's the most important. If you take a look at the domestic political narratives at home, it's much more nuanced than that. And uh, I would say that this phantom pain of this is pro-Russian policies that Orban was building for 12 years on the political level, on the diplomatic level, and on the economic level as well, it all goes down in the drain practically because in during a sanctions and counter-sanctions regime, you just can't build the bilateral relations anymore. It's technically impossible. So what Orban did is to try to counterbalance this foreign policy failure with first of all, how to say a strong, a strong realist position or a strong pragmatic position in which he stated that, okay, we still need Russian gas in order that energy prices does not go up in the sky. So we have not to cut all the business ties, especially when it comes to energy. First, second, his main message is that Hungary should be, should stay out of the conflict and sometimes Of course, besides stating that we support our UN-NATO allies, it sounds a bit like we should remain neutral, even if, of course, content-wise, it's not uh, not what it means. But given that there is a strong antagonism and negative sentiments towards Ukrainians in Hungary, especially because of the Transcarpathia conflict, and this negative sentiment was fueled by the government in the last few years, plus Orban invested a lot, 
to publish the image of Russia and its leader. Right now, of course, he cannot make a total U-turn. It's not a 180 degrees turn. It's just, let's say, 120 uh, degrees. Mm -hmm. And still, relativization of the causes of the war, it's the United States provoked that. Ukraine is, by the end of the day, an oligarchy corrupt far-right country, that there was genocide in the Donbass. And so this kind of relativist narratives that are part of the Kremlin rhetorical playbook are emerging again and again in the Hungarian pro-government information space. It's usually not the government of politicians who say that, but given right. that it's a media system that is very centralized and politically controlled, we can obviously say that the strategy of Orban right now is to send over all the narratives possible from the most pro-Atlanticist to the most pro-Russian and voters can just cherry pick which one they prefer. There's another element of this that I think complicates things further, which is the matter of Ukrainian refugees. My colleague Alex was reporting from the Hungarian-Ukrainian border and, and taking stock of some of the truly charitable work that, that Hungarian individuals have done. And I don't mean to downplay that in any way. Having said that, this government has, since it's certainly for the past several years, really bolstered and boosted anti-refugee, anti-migrant, anti-asylum seeker rhetoric. How does that play out now in this conflict? Yeah, very important question. Thanks for touching upon this. There are many criticisms of the Hungarian state that it does not uh, invest enough financially into the treatment of refugees. now. I might have, how to say, low expectations enough to be happy at this situation. But I think compared to what we could hear in the last few years in terms of anti-migrant rhetoric uh, and the whole identity of the uh, governmental side was based on that. And also given that Ukrainians and Ukraine as such is rather unpopular in Hungarian public opinion, and also given that we are in the middle of a political campaign, I think it's a huge development that neither the government nor the pro-government opinion leaders are fueling anti-refugee sentiments at the moment. And there is no ethnical discrimination when it comes to refugees arriving to Hungary. If they are Ukrainian citizens, they are welcome. If they are ethnic Ukrainians, they are welcome, they are welcome as well. And, and I would say this is a very important first step. Of course, it's treating refugees in Hungary is something new, not just for Hungary, but for other Central East European countries as well, that were very harshly opposing the migrants when they were coming from the Middle East. So we have to learn right now the process that, for example, Germans, Austrians, and many other countries in the West have learned before. And of course, many Ukrainians and ethnic Hungarians would like to go further to the West, but many will stay here. So I already regard it as a big development, an important one, that apart from some marginal voices on the Hungarian extreme, there are no anti-Ukrainian rhetorical attacks at the moment. And, and I think when it's, and, and if you take a look at the polls, the Hungarian society is pro-supporting the refugees. So let me repeat it again, the Hungarian society is vehemently pro-refugee, according to the polls, and supportive towards them. And I think it also shows that there is no such a thing as Central Eastern European countries are 
xenophobic by nature. It's just depending on the political rhetoric, if they are welcoming yeah. the refugees or they are or they are opposing them. What did you make? I, I saw some in Hungary saying these are real refugees as opposed to people who came from Syria who, who were just economic migrants, which, of course, there was also there was also a horrible war in Syria that people were fleeing. But what did you make of people drawing a distinction between Ukrainian refugees and refugees from Syria or from North Africa or the Middle East? I think, of course, on the one hand, it's a bit of hypocritical because it's like both are, are leaving a war zone when their lives in danger. And I was really unhappy seeing the lack of, of empathy in the Hungarian society when there was the uh, Middle East refugee crisis in 2015, 16, and so on. But on the other hand, I, I think at least right now, this mood has uh, changed a bit. And even and I think, of course, it will be a, a long process. And this war is going to continue. It will be even more bloody than it is now. We can expect more refugees. And I do think that, the, of course, the voices in whole Central Eastern Europe will be louder after a while that, okay, we, we were quite welcoming, but sorry. We are full. Let's close the doors. I, I think it's already very good that there has been no such very loud siren uh, voices so far. And I would like to undermine again and underline that this is so. We are in the middle of a political campaign where politicians on the left and the right in Hungary have the habit of playing with the worst instincts of, yeah. of Hungarians. And right now, I, they do not use this opportunity. Of course, it's like still almost three weeks to go. So more than three weeks to go. So it can change a bit, but hopefully it won't. And I, I can also imagine that this experience right now, the Hungarian society with the refugees, it might be a breaking point and it could uh, possibly also be a good precedent mm -hmm. in future cases when Hungary can provide help. And also, of course, from a nationalist perspective, it's easy to exploit and immigrant sentiments. On the other hand, from another nationalist point of view, you can just say that we are a strong country enough to provide help to others. We are, it's a kind of demonstration of strength. So hopefully, the political class in Hungary will learn as well that this is another way of a good way of expressing nationalist or patriotic sentiments. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print, or both from as little as one pound a week. That's 12 weeks for just 12 pounds. That's one euro a week in Europe and just two dollars a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. From the New Statesman World Review comes France Elects, a special podcast series exploring the main candidates and the big issues shaping the campaign to be France's next president. I'm Ido Vok, and over the next two months, I'll be joined by special guests to dissect incumbent Emmanuel Macron's record, his rivals to the right and left, and key issues such as foreign policy and the climate. Just search World Review on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So you've mentioned being in the middle of this political campaign. Can you speak a bit more about the way in which all of this is playing out in the campaign, in, in which different, in which Orban and his opponent, Fischer Markazai, are trying to uh, position themselves with respect to the war? Yes, government side is, is, is easier. So they have these two messages. There was a huge chaos in governmental communication, of course, the Given that the war unfolded without the government expecting it anyhow, so there is a huge mistake of strategic foresight. The good relationship of Orban with Putin did not prevent him to totally, how to say, misperceiving Putin's intention. And the whole Hungarian was absolutely positive that there will be no invasion of, of Russia into Ukraine. So, of course, it was when it happened, there was a there was a lot of chaos and how to say contradictory messaging but after a while the government find its its winning story regarding the campaign and this winning story is that first of all let's keep, stay out of the conflict and we just want peace second that energy security is important and given that there is still a very cold winter uh, right now in Hungary i think this message resonates as well. So, and according to polls, this is something that the most of the Hungarians are rather supportive and most of the Hungarians think that the government does the right thing, which is quite of a miracle in light what kind of uh, policy the government ran before. When it comes to the opposition, I think the opposition is a bit of a defensive mode because it just has to prove that it does not want to bring Hungary into the war and it's a very bizarre very bizarre uh, political communication because the Hungarian government supported in the European Council uh, to support Ukraine 
with weapons. And you can read in the European Council decision with little weapons. And Viktor Orban's government was voting for it. And right now they are blaming the opposition for supporting Ukraine with weapons. That is the opposition technically impossible to do anything like that. So right. uh, what the opposition says practically is to keep the NATO and the EU line, which is let's support uh, Ukraine with weapons, but of course not with, with soldiers and stay out mm -hmm. of the conflict. But the government uses this war rhetoric and practically denies all the steps that it technically supports so that to help Ukraine in the crisis. And the opposition is a constant defensive mode because if, if they are, are uh, perceived to be the warmongers, it's definitely not a good message given that right. Hungary is a neighbor of Ukraine. So it is very close to us. And uh, on the other hand, it just points on the problem of Orban's pro-Russian policies in the last few years, and also his misrespect towards the Western institutions, such as the UN NATO. And I do think that the reason why the opposition right now cannot, cannot really make any political advantage of this situation is that they failed to build up the 2022 elections as an important choice between, let's say, Western peace and Eastern war and Western democracies and Eastern autocracies. And, but this is a missed opportunity. And right now, this narrative, this binary narrative that the government uses is we are with the peace, the opposition is with the war. This is uh, quite a dangerous one for the opposition. So. I do not really feel that with the war broke out in Ukraine and with the Russian attack, the, the opposition would have higher chance to win the election. I would say rather the opposite and, and the rally around the flag effect and all the attention that right. uh, goes towards the government, I think is, makes it more difficult for the opposition to push through its messages. And don't forget that it, it, this campaign unfolding in the context of a hybrid regime, where rooms of the opposition, room for the opposition to maneuver, send its messages, mobilize, and to reach the electorate is uh, highly limited. It is surreal that basically the opposition is saying, we'll continue what the government is doing. We're EU and NATO members and not get involved in war. And the party that, that is doing those things presently turns around and says, you're warmongering by continuing our policies. It's, it's clearly an effective political, it's deeply disingenuous, but it's clearly effective political rhetoric. I do have one last question for you, which is, yes, this is taking place in a hybrid regime. Yes, the sort of the playing field was not level starting out. But why do you think, you just said that the opposition failed to make this a referendum on Western institutions, Western values, and autocracy, anti-democratic measures. Why do you think the opposition did not want to frame the campaign in those terms? There is this misconception of anything that is foreign policy related as that this is irrelevant for the voters. And I don't think it's true. And of course, I deal with foreign policy and everyone who is interested in his or her own topic tends to think right, that everyone else... This is what voters will love. Yes, <laughs> exactly, of course. Everyone else shares their interest, which is not always true, unfortunately. But why is it that Orban can still exploit any conflict with, with, uh, with let's say, Western institutions? Why is it that he can use every opportunity in foreign policy to strengthen his image? And of course, incumbents have more 
possibility than the than the opposition parties usually have. But on the other hand, I, I think I think this perception that it's foreign policy is not important for people, I think it's more of a question of identity, a question of sovereignty. If we feel that, and there are more signs of it, that Russia and China and they, their economic influence is coming with some political strings attached and it's limiting national sovereignty, then I think it, it would be easy to exploit it. And there were some early signs that the opposition can do that. In some other cases, it was not Russia-related, it's China-related. The Fudan University was a mobilizing force for the opposition, and there was a very successful demonstration through which the opposition just put this issue on the agenda. The first time ever, something China-related become the top of the uh, news. So I think there were some positive signs for that, but in terms of the importance of foreign policy, but generally the the opposition still tends to ignore this topic. And right now, I think they realize that this is and it will remain until the election, the number one topic. But I think it's a bit, a bit late now to totally right. change the narrative. And given that the government have corrected its position, and at least when it comes to its behavior, it's even a bit more uh, difficult. For it, just to say, tell an example, the government denies that they would allow any American troops to Hungary and soy, but there was a governmental decree that that allows that. So what can you do as an opposition party? You can say that you're lying, but on the other hand, you're doing what I'm proposing as well. And this is not necessarily something as the most, the most successful campaign strategy. So I think Finally, in a bizarre man, Orban can capitalize on, on, on this situation. And uh, I would say if something very unexpected does not happen in the campaign, which of course might happen, it's still three weeks to go, by default and just extrapolating the current tendencies, we can expect that the Fidesz government can continue and Orban can, can, can run the country for four more years. On that slightly foreboding note, we will leave it there. Peter Kreko, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. This has been the World Review from the New Statesman. You can read all our international coverage on newstatesman.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do tell a friend or even an enemy and rate us and leave us a nice review. Our producer has been Adrian Bradley. The team will be back on Wednesday. And I am Emily Tampkin. Thanks for listening and until next time. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Trust in politics is broken. So can we get UK politics working again? That was the last time we were happy. 2012. I'm Beth Rigby, Sky's political editor. Join me every week with Labour's Jess Phillips and Conservative peer Ruth Davidson for some electoral dysfunction. This idea of nuance has completely left politics. Together we'll focus on the policies that could deliver political satisfaction. Follow electoral dysfunction wherever you get your podcasts.